We'll be reading from James chapter 4. Start at verse 7. It's been one of them mornings where you're over there and you just pray and I just changed my sermon like you know went from number 12 to 24 to 36 to but I feel this burden upon me maybe it's just one person that's fine because I would walk to Salem, Illinois to keep one person out of hell I would walk back to Little Rock to keep one person in this service from dying and going to hell. And I have a burden upon me right now as I preach. James 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Kind of like what Sister Jean was speaking on this morning. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. There's going to be affliction. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Here's the big one. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. It doesn't say God will humble us, but he can. But he wants us to humble ourselves. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speak evil of his brethren and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? Go to now that ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life what is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away Hebrews 9 and 27 and it is appointed unto men once to die But after this, after you die, there's the judgment. You see, we're all dying right now. Each morning I get up is another day closer to death. This scripture is really meaning more to me now. What is your life? It's just a vapor. It seems like only yesterday that I could run the aisle 
It seems like only yesterday. That I felt strong. And it's hard for us to admit when we don't feel like we're we're as strong as we used to be. And then it's gone. And I want to preach just for a little bit on what choice will you make. I'm telling you under the unction of the Holy Ghost or somebody under the sound of my voice, this could be your last service. Come on, I'm telling you. This might be the last chance you have. Don't you gamble with your destiny today. Come on. Time and time again, you've walked in and walked out. You've walked in and you've walked out. God's going to get to a point where like Pharaoh, he's just going to harden your heart. Come on, pray with me. Father, I need you right now. Lord, I need you to move upon me, Jesus. God, I can't do it unless you help me. Lord, touch my voice. Lord, touch my mind, touch my body. And in the name of Jesus Christ, God, give me the strength to preach your gospel. Lord, I have to be anointed by you because I can't do it unless you help me, God. It's not about me. It's all about you. Let me decrease right now so that you can increase. Let the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate, God. I rebuke any spirit of condemnation. I cast it out of this place, and I ask you to replace it with conviction, God, that will draw us to you. Jesus' name, you may be seated. Now we know, because I'm talking to a lot of Bible people in here, that God created the heavens and the earth. Do I have to preach that again, or do y'all believe that? Come on. And we know that God made Adam and Eve to what? To replenish the earth. But you see, part of the curse of Adam and Eve was not just to toil the ground and not just to bear children, but part of their their curse, if you want to call it, was now that they were going to have to taste the taste of death. You see, they would not only experience the hurt and sadness of losing a loved one when Cain kills his brother Abel, but they would now have to experience taking their last breath themselves. Now, the one thing that each and every one of us can count on in this this place is death. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter if you're good-looking like me or not like Brother Kyle. It doesn't matter how much money you make. God made, God loves poor people, doesn't he? Thank God he made a lot of us. But one thing we all have in common is that one day we will taste the sting of death. <clears throat> so I guess the question is, what will you do with your life? Because I want to tell somebody right now that the choice you make while you're walking this earth, is going to affect you for all eternity. Even though we're only here for a moment, our decisions will affect us forever. I just read how the Word tells us we are just a vapor, and then we are gone. But I want you to hear me. Eternity lasts 
forever. Each step that you make on this earth can be making the next step into eternity. You're not guaranteed that you will ever come back to another church service again. What choice will you make with your life today? Come on, you're not guaranteed that you'll ever make the phone call to a loved one again. What choice will you make with your life today? Two brothers, two brothers that were very close in age. These two brothers were raised up in a dysfunctional family. They were very poor, growing up in a very rough and bad neighborhood. These two brothers' dads, their dad was an abusive alcoholic. They didn't diagnose it at that time, but he had come back from World War II with post-traumatic stress. And nobody knew what to do with that back then. So what my grandfather would do was he would begin to drink. As children, all these brothers ever knew was poverty, fussing, fighting, and surviving on the streets. At a very early age, they both turned to drugs and alcohol. And by the time they were in their teens, they had both been arrested several times and sent to prison a couple times apiece. Even though the situation that they were born in didn't give them much of a chance, the decisions they would make would affect them for their eternity by adulthood. Both of these brothers were career criminals, drug addicts, and alcoholics. Both of these men over and over kept going in and out of prisons for crimes they committed to support their habits. These brothers were in a bar one night in Wichita, Kansas. And one day, somebody smarted off to one of them and they began to brawl in this bar. As they began to fight in a free-for-all, a man came up behind the older brother and hit him across his face with a bumper jack. When he did, he fell to the ground with blood coming out of his ears, his eyes, and his nose and mouth. His younger brother scooped him up and got him out of that barroom fight, took him to their little one-bedroom apartment down in the ghetto. And all night long, the younger brother didn't know if his older brother was going to make it because he just kept bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. About daybreak, the blood stopped. And about that same time, there was a Jesus-named preacher who was in their neighborhood out knocking on doors and inviting people to church. Can I tell you one of the most powerful forms of witness is to knock on somebody's door and say, Hi, my name is Nick Mahaney, and I would love to invite you and your family to church. Come on, steal the most powerful way to witness is one-on-one -on -one and asking people if they will come with you to church. Well, this preacher didn't just knock doors once a month. This was one of those door-knocking preachers who knocked every day of the week. He took an hour or two every day, and he would section off blocks, and he would go and knock on every door by himself. The younger brother told me he was sitting there, and it felt like hot hands began to touch his body. And he said he began to hear voices telling him to run, get out of here, run. Because he didn't realize it, but that Jesus' name, Pentecostal preacher, was about to make an interception into both of their lives. He knocks on the door. And the younger brother thinks, I don't know what to do. Should I run? Should I hide? 
He looks out the window and he said the preacher looks too goofy to be a cop. So he opened the door. That preacher, for that brief moment, stuck his hand out, said, Hi, my name's Denver Stanford, and I'm here to ask you to come to church with me. My father looked at him and said, Well, I'm kind of a little bit busy right now, Doc. He had blood all over him. But you see, for that moment, that brief moment in their brief life, God has sent someone with his saving Acts 2.30 message into their lives. It wasn't long after that the youngest, Charlie Mahaney, come on, when I was two years old, he came to an altar of repentance and was baptized in the name of Jesus. Come on, not the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Nobody in the Bible was ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But he was baptized in the only name that can save us. Come on. In the name of Jesus. I want you to know that there's no name like Jesus. I want you to know that demons tremble when you begin to mention the name of Jesus. I want you to know that sickness has to leave at the mention of the name of Jesus. I want you to know that drug addiction has to flee at the mention of the name of Jesus. Come on, we do all in the name of Jesus. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Delivered from drugs and alcohol and a life of sin. Charlie began witnessing to his family. He had learned in God's word. In Romans how the wages of sin was death. But the gift of God was eternal life. And he wanted his brother to have eternal life with him. God called Charlie to preach. And one night as he was preaching. In walks his brother. By this time, his brother was crippled and would no longer be able to walk without the use of crutches. He was in a high-speed chase from the police, and they set up a roadblock, and he ran through it. And they, just gonna, they were going to leave him in there for dead, and they were just standing around waiting on him to die. It mangled him up so bad. Witnesses said he pulled himself out of that wreckage until they had to help him. And in walks his older brother on the crutches as he began to preach. His older brother was moved by the Holy Ghost. And he took him and got up on them crutches. And he came down to the front. His younger brother reached over and put his hand on his head. And when God filled him with the Holy Ghost, God healed his body. His older brother threw those crutches up in the air. And began to run around the church. Come on, God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They baptized him in the name of Jesus. But the older brother, unlike the younger brother, just wouldn't sell out and dedicate his life totally to God. And it wasn't long where people begin to influence him and say, you don't have to do all of that. You don't have to dress like that. You don't have to go, you, you don't have to quit going to these places. You don't have to quit listening to this kind of music. Come on, you can come to our church and God doesn't care about what's on the outside. God just cares about what's on the inside. 
Finally, it wasn't long until he began missing one service. Then he graduated till he had missed two or three services and come in. And then he just quit coming altogether and began running around with his old friends again. And before long, he was getting cold and not going back to church. And it wasn't long until he was back on drugs again. Two brothers brought up in the same way, in the same neighborhood, with the same choices. One chose God, the other chose the world. My father, Charlie Mahaney, took his last breath with his family gathered around him, praising God and singing. My father, at that moment, shook off his mortal body in that hospital room, stepped over into an immortal body. Come on, and now my father's around Jesus. My father's in paradise. My father's in peace. Richard Leroy Mahaney, my uncle, came home one night to his lonely apartment. He rolled up his sleeve, and he put a needle in his arm. And when he injected the drugs, he fell back and he hit his head. And he strangled to death on his own vomit. And went into eternity on the backside of the cross, not ready to meet God. Two brothers, both with the same kind of life, both with the same decisions. One chose eternal life and is in paradise right now. The other chose eternal torment. And I'm telling you right now, my uncle is suffering where the fire is not quenched and where the worm dieth not. Come on, right now in this place, two powers are watching this service. Right now in this place, two powers are watching this service. Heaven and hell. Heaven is watching. And as Jesus knocks on your heart door, heaven sees that you're at a crossroads. The Bible says the angels rejoice when someone comes to repentance. You see, heaven has watched through centuries as men and women young and old, have sat in the same places that some of you are sitting right now. Heaven knows the decision that you make today is going to last you for an eternity. At the same time, hell is trying to whisper in your ear, telling you, what are your friends going to think when they find out you've been at that Holy Roller Church? Don't you believe everything that preacher is saying? You've got plenty of time left, and you sit there in your seat, Gambling with your soul. Gambling with your soul. How many church services are you going to sit through? How many times are you going to hear a man of God preach? How many choir songs are you going to hear before you humble yourselves? You may look the part. You may act the part. You may drag and drive around looking like you're apostolic, but inside you're filthy, dirty, stinking rags. What choice are you going to make today? What choice? Will it be eternal life? Will it be eternal torment? See, the choice is yours. Jesus wants you to open up the door as he knocks on your heart's door. The devil's hoping that once again, you will say, no, not today. I'm just not quite ready. How many times in my lifetime have I seen people 
say, no, not today. And that's the last chance that they ever have. Come on. I've seen the time when people reject him and they leave the church. And an hour later, somebody runs a stop sign. And they have to have a closed casket funeral because of what the car did to them in the wreck. Oh, it won't happen to me. That's what they said as they were walking out of that door. What choice will you make? You see, Satan knows his end is in the lake of fire. He wants you to be there with him. Hell is burning hot this morning. It's waiting on people who want to refuse to choose Jesus. Can I tell you as you're falling through the flames of hell, the demons will be taunting you. You're here forever. You can't get out. You're here forever. You can't get out. I knew I'd have you. All I had to put was doubt inside of your mind. You're here forever. You can't get out. Every song that this man of God has played and sang over this pulpit will play back in your mind. Every scripture that this man, this woman of God has read in Sunday school class over this pulpit will be playing back and echoing down the corridors of your mind. You will be screaming, why didn't I humble myself? Why didn't I submit to God? Why didn't I humble myself? Over and over you fall for eternity. Where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. I don't care how old you are. You're in danger of hell. I don't care if you know how to make a wrong and right decision. You better fall on your face and cry out to God. What choice will you make with your life? Death is no respecter of persons. My father died at 64. My sister was 42. My grandson was four months. What choice will you make? What choice will you make? What choice will you make? You know in your heart that you're not living right. You don't need an evangelist to tell you you're not living right. You know every time you commit a sin, something comes over you and you shrug it off. And you go ahead and you take the next step. I'm here to tell you there's going to come a day when you don't have a next step. There's going to come a day when you don't have a next breath. There's going to come a day when there won't be another church service. There's going to come a day when there won't be another choir singing. There's going to come a day when there won't be another special song sang. What choice will you make? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you feel that? Come on, have I put my burden on you yet, prayer warrior? Or do I need to preach some more? Somebody's life is hanging in the balance. It's not time to be looking at your phone. It's not time to be worrying about where you're going to eat. But you need to travail. Somebody's soul is in your hands. Travail. It's not about us. Come on, it's about the lost. I get sick at my stomach sometimes looking at cars driving down the road and I wonder what are they going through. Let's all stand. Come on, I need my prayer warriors right now to travail. I wish we could pull my Uncle Leroy Mahaney up from torment today as he stood there with the smoke, his hair singed, his flesh burning, he would say, listen to my nephew. You don't want to come to this place. My God, listen to him. Listen to him. You don't want to come to this place.
Come on, if you're closer to God, if you've ever been closer to God than you are right now, let me tell you, you backslid that much. You need to fall on your face. What choice will you make? What choice will you make? Come on, I wonder if there's anybody ready to step out. Come on. Anybody ready to step out and say, God, I've got to get my heart right. Come on, I've got to get my heart right. Come on, saint of God. Come on, prayer warrior. You know somebody that ain't right. You need to reach over. You need to grab them by the hand. This may be their last service. This may be the last time that you get a chance to pray for them. This may be the last time that you get a chance to say, I love you. What choice are you going to make? Come on, I'm talking to somebody. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. This may be your moment. Don't let that moment pass you by. What choice will you make with your life? Come on, that's it. Come on, now we're starting to push into travail. The Bible says when Zion travails, sons and daughters are born. This is your moment. This is your chance to be free. Come on, what choice will you make? Hold on just a minute. I want you to listen to me. I'm talking to somebody. You better heed the call of God right now. Come on, you're hiding things that you think nobody knows about. But I'm telling you, God is speaking to me and telling me you're on dangerous ground. I wish I knew who you was because I'd walk back and I'd put my arms around you and I wouldn't let you leave until you repented. You go ahead. Go ahead and keep playing with him. Oh, I'm all right. I looked apart. I'm doing everything. I'm telling you, God has sent a preacher to you today to tell you this could be your last chance. What choice are you going to make in this service? Come on, this is not a game. You're playing with heaven or hell. You're gambling with your eternity. Come on. All right, I want my prayer warriors to come to the front. Come on. There shouldn't be one saint of God sitting in their pew. Come on, this is what you were called out of sin for. You begin to come down here and you begin to pray for people. You begin to minister to people.